Pox with Ags is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Welcome to another edition of the Pucks with Hags podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe Haggerty. You can find my stuff uh, at substack.joehaggerty.com. Obviously, hosting the Pucks with Hags podcast here at the CLNS Network and you know NHL Network all over the place. So if, uh, if I'm at a rink, uh, if, if you're looking for hockey and I'm at a rink, you'll usually find me in some... Uh, former fashion of the media, but it's awesome to have you. I think it's the 18th episode uh, of the Pucks with Hags podcast today. It's going to be kind of a special development camp edition. Uh, I'm going to answer some fan questions after I was at Dev Camp for, uh, for a few days at Warrior, taking a look at the best Bruins prospects, all 32 of them that were on the ice, both uh, drafted, undrafted, and you know, camp invites. Um, but before we do that, let's just get into the sponsors real quick. That Pucks with Hags podcast, as always is uh, sponsored by and powered by FanDuel Sportsbook. We love them. Uh, all kinds of good deals over at the app there, so check that out. And uh, also by Factor Meals, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. So we appreciate the love from both of those uh, titans, uh, uh, the FanDuel Sportsbook and Factor Meals. Uh, but for now, let's get back into the Bruins. Uh, let's talk about Dev Camp. And, and first things first, I'm just going to give a quick rundown of the players that I liked. Uh, at dev camp and i wrote about it on my sub stack you can go check that out i have rundowns uh from the days that i was there at camp but i'll tell you right now oscar jelvik i liked don's locomelis i liked uh casper nassen i thought was pretty good he was a um a seventh round pick in this this past draft six foot four swedish forward matt uh putra was good um riley duran was excellent he was maybe arguably the best forward there um Beckett Hendrickson, who was another 2023 draft pick, I thought he was solid, and he was probably the best of the the young forwards coming out of this draft class. Uh, Jake Schmaltz, uh, who's been around for a few years, was a seventh-round pick in 2019. I thought he was very good, plays at the University of North Dakota. Um, And as far as defenseman goes, Frederick Brunet, uh, I think he's been to a couple development camps now. He's from Quebec. He was not that great the last time I saw him, but he was much better this time around. Uh, Ty Gallagher from Boston University was was very good. Um, Mason Langenbrunner, who's now been in a few dev camps and I did not like as much before. He's at Harvard, uh, fifth round pick in 2020. I really liked his game this time around. I think he's made some huge steps uh, forward. So that, that was a good sign. And last but not least, uh, the best player that I saw at the entire development camp, Mason Lowry. Uh, the big defenseman from Ohio State that just signed uh, with the Bruins at the end of last season and goes into this year really a guy that I think is is at some point going to be in, in the NHL uh, just based on what I saw at development camp. You know, he's a massive defenseman, six foot five, 215 pounds, moves the puck, plays good defense, has some skills offensively. Um, you know, is not a Kale McCarr by any means, but it's certainly a guy that I think can uh, run a, a quarterback spot on a power play from the point uh, and is going to provide a lot of offense from the back end, which could be a nice marriage with Jim Montgomery. But I thought there were a lot of good things I liked about him. And and like I said, I think of all the players I saw at Dev Camp, I think he's the closest to the NHL and he was the best player on the ice. So, um, you know, 32 players. Uh, I don't think this was... Th- even close to the best uh, crop of prospects that I've seen at a development camp. I don't think any of them were dominant players by any means. Lowry was the closest to that, but I wouldn't call him a dominant player. That's going to make a huge impact in the NHL. 
you know, I can go from the years past. I was at development camps when Tyler Sagan and, and David Pasternak were there. Uh, nobody like that uh, was at this development camp. Uh, none of these players, you know, fit into that category, not even close. Uh, but still some solid prospects. And I think at least a couple of players that are going to help them. But I also can understand why the Boston Bruins have a low rated prospect uh, group and system uh, when it's evaluated by places like the athletic and elsewhere, because I just don't think they have either the super high end prospects that are really high impact guys uh, or going to be high impact guys at the NHL. And they don't have that sort of like depth of prospects where you just see like eight, nine, 10 guys. And you say, they're definitely going to play in the NHL. Um, they are not at that point yet. That's probably why they need to start accumulating draft picks again. Don Sweeney, you got to get on that. All right. Let's uh, answer some questions here from uh, the folks out there. John Hawkwater wants me to know, are any of these players, will any of these players be up with the big club? Um, yes. I, I think Mason Lowry probably will not start the year um, in Boston. Uh, but I think after he, cause he only played, I think five games uh, for the Providence Bruins as he signed a um, amateur tryout agreement towards the end of last season after coming out of college and he didn't sign his actual contract until after the HL season was over, I believe. So uh, he only played a handful of games. He played a few playoff games and he, you know, he looked good down there, but I think clearly as a uh, 20, 22 year old kid uh, and defensemen are, are the type that, you know, they tend to get at their best mid twenties, late twenties, you know, it's not like forwards where they can come in at, you know, except for the rare exception at 22, 21, 20 years old and, and really dominate. I think most defensemen you see don't really get to where they're going to be and really get to NHL caliber until they hit their mid 20s because it's such a difficult position to play. Um, so I think he needs at least a half season in Providence to get used to the speed, get used to the physicality, get used to the pro game uh, before you just push him in uh, to the NHL and uh, push him into a really what's going to be a high pressure situation for him because he's probably going to be a top four uh, defenseman for the Boston Bruins. So um, I do think he's going to be up with the team uh, this season. I think when he does come up, I think he's probably going to be, unless it's for an injury situation, it's going to be come up to stay um, and probably, uh, you know, necessitate a trade uh, of another defenseman that's going to open up some cap space, whether it's Matt Grizzlick, whether it's somebody else, I do think there's going to be a connection between Mason Lowry coming up to the NHL roster. And once he shows he's ready to play and some movement to create more cap space uh, from that defenseman group uh, that they're probably going to start the regular season with. So I think those are two very interconnected thing and things and Mason Lowry is going to factor into that and going to create more cap space for the Bruins when they decide he's ready. But Standard practice for the Bruins. We've seen this over the years. They're not going to rush their young players. They're going to put veteran players as kind of obstacles in their way that they're going to have to beat those guys out for jobs and push them out uh, and really uh, force them to be at their best and force them to kind of be at that maturity level where they're ready for the NHL before it's before it's earned and before it's handed to them. You know, not handed is a bad word before it's like bestowed upon them uh, because they have to show that they earn it. And I don't think Mason Lowry is quite there yet. Uh, but he did look excellent against college players, uh, just drafted players, you know, undrafted free agents that are going to be looking for pro hockey jobs. The 32 players that were the Bruins development camp, uh, he, uh, I think was the class of the defenseman, the best player. And, you know, let's face it. I think the Bruins have told him to focus on, uh, defense, you know, using his body, uh, to be a good defender, to kill plays, 
uh, have a great stick, like all the things that you want a defenseman to do that, that that's six foot five and well over 200 pounds. And I think it, 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 he played maybe like he's focused on defense more than, you know, really being aggressive offensively. And once he gets comfortable at the NHL level, I think there's probably another level he can get to because the skill is there, but it's the right thing for him to be focused on defense right now as a young defenseman that's up and coming. All right. Uh, Zach R19, R uh, underscore 19. Who out of those that attended dev camp are closest to making the main roster? Well, Zach, uh, we just talked about Mason Lowry. I think he's definitely one of them. You know, Fabian Lysel is probably going to see some time in Boston this year. Um, I was not particularly wowed by what I saw during development camp. Uh, he came in um, very slowly after he had a concussion at the end of last year that kind of knocked him out of the AHL season. You know, we go back to the World Juniors. He really struggled there for Team Sweden, didn't have a great experience. And, you know, I think there was a lot of adversity for Fabian Lysel last year. Uh, as a young player, as a 19-year-old in the AHL, and you know he didn't really light the world on fire after there was a lot of hype and excitement about him uh, coming out of the Vancouver Giants, and I think that continued at development camp. He was not a dominant player, uh, didn't score a ton or create a ton of offense when uh, you know they were doing the uh, the last day they were doing the three-on-three uh, small area scrimmages. They do like a tournament three-on-three uh, -three small area games. And then they do a big full ice uh, for maybe the last 20, 25 minutes of of the last session uh, scrimmaging on full ice. And he didn't really factor in offensively in any of those situations. Um, you know, didn't look dominant, didn't really show off the speed and skill that you would hope to see, especially against guys that are younger than him. Uh, and, and his peers and not even, we're not even talking about grizzled NHL veterans here. We're talking about his peers and, and people even younger than him and guys that were not first round picks. Uh, and the fact that he didn't really dominate and dance around these guys and really, you know, didn't flash on the ice when he was out there. That's a concern for me. Uh, you know, was it that he, uh, was coming back from the injury, maybe didn't feel great this week, hadn't skated a lot and was kind of behind the eight ball because of that. Um, was it because he wasn't that motivated for a development camp when at 20 years old, having logged an entire season in the NHL last year, he didn't feel like he had anything to prove and kind of the motivation level wasn't as high for him as it was for other players out there. I, I really don't know. It's hard to answer that question, but all I can tell you is that this is a huge season for him at 20 years old after having some lackluster experiences and maybe losing some of the shine on him as a prospect last year. Um, and I think this is going to be a massive season for him to recoup some of that, to really become a do the dominant offensive player they think he can be based on his skating speed, based on his skill, based on what we've seen uh, when he makes plays, uh, you know, whether it was the Vancouver Giants or in Sweden, or he even had flashes last year in Providence, but um, it wasn't enough. And I think he needs to show this season coming up that there's a lot more there. And if he does that, I think he is going to get some looks at the NHL level, full circle answering the question, Mason Lowry is definitely the closest to the NHL. I think Fabian Lysel will be fairly close to the NHL because I think he's going to get some chances this year, uh, especially if he responds and he, he plays pretty well. And beyond that, um, you know, I, uh, Riley Durant's still a college player. He's at Providence College, um, but I think he's got a pro game. He looks to me like he's going to be an NHL player. He's not going to be, I don't think, a top six guy. He's not going to be a power play guy. But I think you're looking at a third or a fourth line player that could play in the NHL for a long time based on the size, the work ethic, the intelligence. And he's got a hell of a shot. Heavy, 
just rifle snapshot that like goalies he beats straight up when he in shootouts when he flashes it when he lets it go with the release they don't even see it coming and if you can beat those kind of goalies with a, a simple wrist shot that's a pretty dangerous shot so you, you put a lot of the elements he, he has plus he wins a ton of battles I think that's the kind of guy that is going to translate to the NHL. And I think as long as he stays healthy, I think, you know, he's going to be a guy that in a few years from now, we're probably going to see uh, in Boston. So I, I would put him in that category. Um, and beyond that, you know, I guys like Ryan Masts, um, Matt Potra, uh, I think is another guy that uh, I think could, you know, get some looks this year in his first year. Um well, I actually won't be this year, but the year after he may get some looks. Um, so he may be like a year away. Um, you know, beyond that, I, I, I'm not sure a lot of these players are, you know, within a couple of years. Um, you know, we'll see Brett Harrison's another one I would put in that category where you may see him um, at some point as well. Um, but I, I think you got to look at Lysel and Lowry as the, the two big prospects uh, coming out of this development camp that are closest to the NHL. And I think Riley Duran is the one that looks like he's got the elements to be a pro player of all the guys that I saw as well. But, you know, we're, we're talking about kids in their early twenties that still have a lot of time to develop. So um, there are, are there any players not named low Rye or Lysel that can be top six, forward or top four D from Lucino uh, on Twitter. Top six four, top six fours or top four D. I, listen, this is there's one player I will tell you really jumped out at me. Uh, Oscar Jelvik, uh, Boston College, 20 years old. He's only 5'11, like 180 pounds, so he's not that big. Um, and he's gonna have to, you know, at that size, he's gonna have to prove a lot of things before he's gonna get, you know, real serious looks. But the skill level's there. Like, you know, he was in tight spaces, dangling through players during the three-on-three drills when there's not a lot of space, especially around the net. Uh, at points, he and Riley Duran and Brett Harrison, when they were playing in that three-on-three small area tournament, when they were on the ice together, they were dominant. They were scoring goals. Uh, the other team couldn't get the puck away from them. They were moving the puck quickly. Uh, Jelvik can create his own shot. He had a nasty shootout move where he faked between his legs and then roofed a backhander um, when they were doing shootouts at the very end of the scrimmage. Like he's got a shot. He's got, he can pass. He's got great vision. He's got extremely good hands and a good handle uh, on the puck and a good skater. So he's a guy I think uh, could be sneaky. Good. Um, you know, he's in a good college hockey program in, in Boston college. And we all know the stud players, Will Smith and all the others that are coming into Boston College this coming season. So it could be a huge year for Jelvik where he raise, really raises his profile and puts up a, a huge season after I think he had four goals and 17 points as a freshman for the Eagles last year. So that's a guy I would look at and say maybe top six, um, potentially in his future. Another top four defenseman besides Lowry, I'm I'm not sure. Um, maybe Frederick Brunet. That would be the only guy I would say. 19 years old, 6'3", 192 pounds out of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Did not love him a couple of years ago at Dev Camp. I thought he was like over his head um, as a, as a first timer, but this second time around uh, big shot from the point, definite offensive instincts, patient with the puck was setting guys up to make plays in the offensive zone. You know, looks like he could be a power play guy. That might be a guy with the offensive upside and with the size that he has that may profile 
uh, to be a top four defenseman. So I would say Brunei and Jelvic are the two guys to look at where there's a lot of high ceiling and there's a lot of room to grow. Um, there's a few other ones too, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, but those are the, the two I look at the most and say, maybe they're going to surprise us a little bit uh, a year or two down the line. All right, let's see what we have next. Um, um, MBB uh, on Twitter, Jackson Edward has popped out of nowhere. His game has definitely improved from the seventh round pick he was picked up from. Where do you think he will end up? Jackson Edward was interesting. Like 19-year-old kid, 6'3", 200 pounds, seventh round pick, London Knights. Um, I remember him a little bit last year. I actually noticed him even more this year. Definitely. I don't think he's a top four defenseman, but like what I did notice was he was pissing off Oscar Jelvik and some other players by really, really being rough and physical with them in these three on three small area tournament games that they were doing. He was kind of throwing shoulders around and really getting physical. At one point, he pissed off Jelvik to the point where Jelvik snapped his stick when he came off the ice after his shift was over. And then he had to go scurrying for a new one before he was about to go right back on the ice. Uh, I also noticed Jackson Edward tried to uh, score on a Michigan during a two-on-two drill um, that I think uh, I think it was Mason Lowry like quickly swatted the puck away when he was trying to do it. But I I watched him and he looked to me like he was a little bit bigger Connor Clifton. Like he's got some Connor Clifton to his game as far as some attitude, some snarl. Um, you know, we like to say players sometimes have a little F you uh, in their game. F, and I think he's one of those kind of players uh, that has that. And frankly, I didn't think there was enough of that development camp. I don't think we saw enough players that had a little bit of an attitude and were playing physical and, you know, were in your face, um, especially considering how much I think the Bruins need players like that. It was a little too polite at times at development camp, but I think Jackson Edwards was with a few guys that was not playing polite and kind of had a little bit of an attitude. So we'll see how he does uh, moving forward, but I, I liked what I saw in dev camp and I think his progression is pretty good. Um, Jack Kane asks, which NHL player current or past would you say Riley Duran resembles the most? Um, you know, that's a tough question. He's a six, two, uh, 200 pounds, pretty good skater. Um, very good two-way game. Uh, like awesome shot, just NHL caliber shot already. Um, smart player hustles, uh, definitely plays at both ends, wins a ton of battles. Um, you know, I, I, I want to say like, he's not a center, but I, 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 you know, he's a little bit more, a little more physical, uh, Brian Boyle, maybe, um, I, I think he's, he might end up even, I don't know, maybe he's, he's that kind of a player. He may end up that sort of player at the, at the pro ranks. Um, but c because he's bigger, because he's got a really good shot because he wins more than his share of battles. He uses his size and strength really well. Um, smart player. I, I There's a lot of uh, similarities between the two players. Um, and obviously Brian Boyle was a fantastic NHL player and a former first round pick. So that's, you know, lofty praise um, for Riley Duran, but that's kind of maybe a little bit of who he reminds me of, but like, I don't think there's somebody I would say in the NHL that I'm watching right now and say, you know, that's, that's, that's him. You know, it, it maybe Garnett Hathaway might be he might be that kind of a player too because he definitely has the physical side and he's going to play physical like Hathaway and I think he may even have a little bit more of an offensive upside than Hathaway does but I think he's that kind of a player he could be that kind of a player uh certainly he's a Woburn kid I don't think he's going to shy away from the physicality so you know that's that's a good thing 
but uh, that's the, that I think that's what you're looking at for him. Maybe at the NHL level is a third line guy that plays really physical plays with energy can finish off offensive plays. will be able to kill penalties is going to be able to do a lot of really good things to help your, your team win games. So um, nothing but good stuff from him. You know, the, there was a few other players I liked uh, college hockey players and I'm kind of critical of the Bruins in general because I don't like um, how many American players that they've drafted over the years. Uh, there were only 10 Canadian players at the uh, prospect development camp, a 10 out of 32 prospects the Bruins have right now are Canadian. And I just don't think that's enough. You know, I think you need, I think maybe half and half is good. Maybe if you had five more Canadian kids and maybe half of the group was from Canada, that would be better. And I know it sounds ridiculous that a, a Boston guy, a, you know, a guy that coaches kids uh, and is involved in uh, USA hockey and, you know, enjoys uh, USA hockey would, would <laughs> advocate for anything but American kids. But like, if you're an NHL team, you need to invest in the Canadian players and the OHL players. And I do think there's a lack of that, but that being said, I think Riley Duran's one of those local college kids that they hit the bullseye on and is exactly the kind of player that they want in their organization and is going to represent them well and is going to end up being an NHL player. And, you know, so they deserve a pat on the back for drafting that kid when, you know, maybe there weren't a ton of teams that, that were going to look at him and give him a serious look before the Bruins did. All right. Let's see what we got next here. Would you say you are more or less encouraged by what you've seen in the prospect cupboard this past week for the Bruins from Mark Atherton? Um, well, I would say a little more, um, you know, it's easy to bash the Bruins draft and development system right now. They don't have a ton of draft picks. They've traded away a lot of their first rounders. So anytime you have that, because your team is competitive, your prospect system is not going to be great and it's not going to be highly rated. Most of the highest rated prospect systems in the NHL are for teams that continue to get lottery first round picks and continue to have their draft picks year after year and don't have to trade them because they're not buyers at the trade deadline. So, you know, th there's definitely a pattern that develops there where if you're a team like the Bruins, that's in the playoff hunt every year and is going for a cup, you're going to have less of those assets because you're trading them away at the deadline. And, you know, who's going to argue in hindsight uh, with hindsight being 2020, who's going to argue uh, that they shouldn't have spent first round picks to get Tyler Bertuzzi and Garnet Hathaway and Dimitri Orlov at the trade deadline and gone for it last year and ended up with that wagon of a team where they should have won. You know, you, you got to go at that point and go all in uh, if you're the Boston Bruins. I, I don't understand how you could argue against that, even knowing how it was going to end and it being disappointed. The Bruins did the right thing there. And by and large, they've done that. The Rick Nash deal that Don Sweeney did way back when, where he traded Ryan Lindgren to the Rangers, who's a player that definitely the Bruins could have used. And he traded a first round pick. You know, you can bash him in hindsight and say, oh, Rick Nash was a dud. He didn't help them do anything in the playoffs, but that was the right move. They were going to extend him if he stayed healthy. They wanted to keep him around. He was the right fit for them at the time until he got dinged up. So there's been a few situations like that for the Bruins where they've given up first round picks and given up their assets uh, for the right reasons, but it means they don't have the top prospects anymore because they've traded those picks away. And, you know, they have missed on some first rounders too. Uh, most famously in 2015 uh, with Zach Sinitian, that was a big miss. Jakobs Borl is still with the organization, still with the team, but basically he's a seventh defenseman. And when you're drafting in the middle of the first round, you're not drafting, you know, to be a, an extra D on the NHL roster. So you could say they missed on two of those three with while hitting on with Jake DeBrusque. 
Um, you know, Trent Frederick in the first round, I think in hindsight, it does not look like a great pick. I don't think he looks like a first round talent, especially when you had Alex to um, you know, a few picks later um, going to the Chicago Blackhawks. So, you know, they've missed a few times. There've been a few high profile miss. They've obviously hit on some players, Charlie McAvoy um, and others. Uh, but, and, you know, some ladder round picks too. There's a couple of draft classes that are actually looking pretty good for the Bruins where they produced a lot of NHL players under Don Sweeney and the current scouting staff. But in general, um, getting back to the point of the question, they've been lower rated the last few years and with good reason. So I went into this development camp, not with high hopes, not with big expectations that I was going to get blown away about what I saw, but I did see they have a legit NHL prospect blue chip prospect at the defenseman position in Mason Lowry. He's going to be an extremely good defenseman. He looks like he's going to be a top four defenseman in the NHL for the next 10 years. That's what I saw. I saw a six foot five defenseman with athleticism, with the ability to skate with some offensive um, skills with, with the ability to move the puck up the ice. Also with the ability to survive in the defensive zone, like to start your prospect cupboard off with a blue chip top four D man, that is a six foot five guy that has all that skills. That's a great place to start. Uh, but after that, it drops off. Fabian Lysel did not have a good development camp and I did not have a good season. His stock has dropped. Um, so there's no dynamic dazzling forward prospect that they have uh, by any stretch, whether it's Lysel, whether it's not having a first or a second round pick in this draft. Um, I just don't think that player is there, but I did see some other players I liked. I liked, I really liked, as I said, Riley Duran, Oscar Jelvik. Um, you know, those were a couple right off the bat. I thought were excellent players. And I do think they picked up guys like Ryan Walsh, Beckett Henderson, Casper Nassen in this draft, uh, this past draft, I thought were very good players in development camp and impressed me, especially as teenagers going against some guys that are in their early twenties and they're, you know, been playing college hockey for a few years or already have pro um, pro games on their resume. So uh, I, you know, there was a couple of players I really liked. Brunei was another one that I thought was very good and kind of raised his profile uh, in my eyes. So there was probably four or five players that have raised their stock quite a bit. Mason Langham Bruner was another one uh, from where I'd seen them before. So in that sense, I was impressed, surprised, sort of satisfied with what I saw and think more highly of some of the guys that they do have after watching development camp. But at the end of the day, they still have a ton of work to do to build back the numbers, to build back the quality, to build it back into being like, you know, what would even be a middle of the road uh, draft and development system. Cause right now um, they don't have it. So we'll, we'll take a break from the, the questions right now. And we're actually going to thank our sponsors. All right. Getting back to the questions. Somebody wanted to know how have the goalies looked in development camp? Okay. Um, Reed Dick, I thought was pretty good. 19 year old for the, with the Swiss current Broncos. He was a sixth round pick uh, last summer. I thought he was solid. He was fine. Um, you know, they had a walk, uh, the camp invite from Harvard, Derek Malahi, who I from situate that I also thought was pretty good. I thought he looked fine. Um they had a Ukrainian invite uh, from HC Sparta, Praha uh, in Prague, uh, the Czech League. I also thought he looked pretty good. Um, the issue is the fourth round pick in 2021, Philip Svetabak, who was a freshman at Providence College this past season, 
Um, and it actually had decent numbers at Providence. But this is the second development camp in a row where I've watched Svetaback and I don't like what I see. You know, I, I see a lot of pucks getting through him in practice. And, you know, one person I was talking to while development camp was going on kind of laughed and was like, he's not a practice goalie. That's fine. You know, if development camp doesn't light your fire, doesn't get you jacked up and you're kind of going through the motions, you don't feel like you even want to be there. You're a draft pick. You don't, you know, our practice is just kind of boring to you and it doesn't get the best out of you and you see much better performances in big games. Fine. Whatever. Uh, maybe that's who he's going to be and time will bear that out. But I can tell you, I saw too many five hole goals that he allowed. I saw too many pucks sneaking through him at times. Um, the three on three, the three on three tournament ended with um, Mason Lowry's team, Mason Lowry, Mason Langenbrunner. There were a few other players um, playing against Riley Duran, Oscar Jelvik, uh, and a few other guys, uh, Brett Harrison, and Svetaback was the goalie for Riley Duran and Oscar Jelvik's team. And it was one-to-one. And this was the trophy game. This was a championship game. All the other players from development camp at that point had stopped and were watching what was going on in this game. This was the game for the, the bragging rights, the trophy. And it was one-to-one. Riley Duran scored. And then uh, the other team scored right at the end to tie it up. And it went into overtime. There was an opening face-off in the three-on-three small area game. And then immediately Mason Langenbrunner got the puck, went straight towards the net, crashed the net, five holds, fed it back, they win. It was a weak goal. It was a soft goal. It was, a you know, for those players, that's a big moment. That's a show me moment where like, you know, it's win or lose right there. It was next goal wins. And he gives up a terrible goal right off a of face off. And it was like, everybody was looking forward to watching how these two teams were going to compete and see how they were going to win. And it was like over before it even started. And that was kind of indicative of, I thought this entire week for Svetaback. I just think he was disappointing too many soft, easy goals does not live up to the sort of hype or what you hope to see out of him. And I remember feeling the same way about him last year. And I think there were more highs and lows last year where he made some spectacular saves and he let in some bad goals this time around, I didn't really even notice the spectacular saves. I just noted the, noticed the leaky soft goals, like that goal to Langenbrunner uh, that won the tournament for the other team. For the other team, you know that to me is something I don't like. It's it's not to see. Uh, you know that's not what you're looking for. Uh, if you're the Boston Bruins looking for a goalie that's going to bail you out, that's going to win games. Uh, for you stand on his head, be there in the big moments. Like, you know, we, we just saw um, Linus Olmark and Jeremy Swayman struggle uh, at, at when they were in their playoffs, primarily Olmark. Swayman, I thought was fine in game seven when he finally got in there, but we've seen too much of this goalies struggling in the big moments. You don't want to see that out of your prospects that are coming up that you're putting uh, your, you're setting your sights on. Maybe it's a good thing. They have Swayman, who is young, uh, only a couple of years older than, than Svetaback and looks like he's going to be here for a long time. Cause I didn't see any goalie prospects um, in this particular development camp. Like when I saw Swayman a few years ago at development camp and said, they have something here. I didn't see that this time around with the, the Boston goalies, goalie prospect, Boston Bruins goalie prospects. All right. Uh, Raul Duke. During a unique transitional year, factoring roster turnover, influx of youth, plus centennial celebrations, what, what are you most looking forward to? Wow, that's a really good question. 
Um, I am most looking forward to hopefully seeing Patrice Bergeron play his 20th season with the Boston Bruins in their 100th centennial celebration, being involved in all of the different uh, commemorations of the original six franchise and its hundred years in, in the NHL. And I really hope he comes back for one more season. That is selfishly what I'm looking forward to because I want to see him play one more year. I want to cover practice and be able to go and talk to Bergeron as the captain after practice is over or after a big game and him continue to be the leadership group and, and uh, be the leader of that team and, and be sort of the voice of that team and really be the, at the head of the culture uh, of that team. You know, I, I, I hope we get one more year of watching him do his thing. Cause it's been a pleasure for the last 19. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Okay. Let's go. Uh, one more question. We'll go two more questions. Hot Rod Nate 15. We've all heard about the low ride Lysel Harrison Merkulov hype. What's a name that impressed you that has flown under the radar? You know, Harrison's like was a solid player. Like I think he's got some good things that he's done, but I, I don't, I don't think there's a ton of hype with him right now. You know, we'll see what he does in the pro ranks. Um, you know, he's, he's had some decent moments. He made a good pass. I think it was to Cole Spicer uh, to set him up for a goal during the full ice scrimmage. So he he has his moments and he stands up and, and makes some good plays. But I also think, you know, he's, he's not, a, the, I wouldn't put him in the top five of the forwards that I saw in, in development camp this week. One guy I did like, uh, and he's been mentioned a few times, Matt Poitra. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I don't know if it's Poitras. I got to ask him. Um, good Ontario kid, uh, Gulf Storm, second round pick. Um, I think there's a, a decent amount of hype with him. I don't think, like, clearly not a dominant player, but I think he was advertised as a playmaking smart center that uh, takes care of small details, will set up his teammates, will make players around him better. And I think in those respects, as advertised, uh, when I watched him in the game situations, great passes, sees the ice really well, very clever, smart player, knows how to make plays and set up his teammates. Um, I And I wrote this when I was kind of watching him play. I think he picks his spots when it comes to like back-checking, play away from the puck, defensively like certain things that he's going to have to get better at uh in the pro game uh if he really wants to play center and if he really wants to be like a top six center in the nhl uh, he needs to get better at that other stuff but i think some of the natural um the natural requirements of skill vision playmaking like he's not david krejci but i think he did some things that i thought were reminiscent of david krejci as far as making plays and the way he views the ice and, and the way you can see teammates to set them up and the way you can execute passes. So uh, that's a guy I would pick um, as kind of a second tier guy that I actually liked. I liked him better than Harrison, to be honest with you. Okay. In your opinion of the young guys who could make a push for being on the bees roster by say November, December, Andrew uh, Hearthstone. Um, and I think of, of, I'm going to close with this because I've answered it a few times. I think it's no Mason Lowry. Mason Lowry, excuse me. Um, I, I That's the guy. Um, and I thought that was the guy going in. I I assumed going into this development camp, Mason Lowry was going to be the best player uh, on uh, among the Boston Bruins prospects. He was going to be the best guy of the 32 players on the ice. I was hoping that was going to be the case because I'd seen him in past. I'd really liked him. 
Uh, I saw him a little bit at Ohio State. I thought he was a very good player there. Like the book on him is that he's a very big defenseman that ideal NHL size and strength and also has the skill to go along with it. So I want to see that among his peers because he really didn't uh, take part in development camp last year. So this was the first year we're really going to get a close look at him kind of as he enters his NHL sort of age, early 20s, where he should be able to separate from other players. And I thought he did. You know, he, he passed checked every box, passed every test with flying colors during Bruins development camp this week. Looks like he should be the best defenseman on the Providence team, be a leader on that team, and maybe take a couple of months and then push towards an NHL roster spot. And like I said, that could create a domino effect where all of a sudden the Bruins are ready to pull the trigger on a trade to make room for him if he shows that he's ready, truly ready uh, for the NHL level. And, um, you know, they could get a player to come in, a younger player on an entry-level contract and maybe – you know, trade some salary cap space uh, somewhere else uh, in order to get themselves two or three million dollars in space to maybe make another deal uh, at the trade deadline. So low rise, the guy, uh, I think that was the only one I saw that said that he may be playing for them in November, December. Everybody else uh, will probably be in Providence or on their junior team or still with their college. Uh, and that's OK, uh, because it's the long game with a lot of these prospects. And, you know, it's it's impressive when you go through the names that have come through the system. I actually, uh, you know, did the homework. Somebody had asked me on Twitter and this actually would have been a good question uh, to ask um, about. Let me get the question. Ben Altcher said, Hey Joe, maybe a big ask, but what's the recent history last 10 years of these development camp players turning into key contributors at the NHL level at some point in their careers. So I went back and looked Jake DeBrusque, David Pasternak, Charlie McAvoy, Brandon Carlo, Jeremy Swayman, Trent Frederick, Anders Bjork, Danton Heinen, Ryan Donato, Jeremy Lozon, Dan Vladar, Ryan Lindgren, Drew O'Connor, Carson Coleman, Sean Corrali, Noel Achari, and there were even a few other players uh, that were, uh, Brandon Tanev was one, um, that were camp invites. Uh, Alex Iafalo was another one, um, who were actually in uh, development camps with the Bruins over the last 10 years and have turned into, you know, very good NHL players. So, you know, the talent is there. There's going to be a couple of guys, maybe even some that I didn't mention that I really like this week that are going to pop and they're going to be in the NHL. Uh, I would bet money on uh, Mason Lowry and Riley Duran definitely being NHL players. And, uh, you know, beyond that, we'll see. Uh, but, you know, there's no doubt uh, there's a lot of talent on that ice this week. And it was it was fun to watch. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors one more time. Um, FanDuel sports book as always gotta love them you know fanduel.com slash boston to get up to 200 dollars in bonus bets head over to them and we also got to thank factor meals america's number one ready to eat meal kit love those guys uh they crush it ready meal ready in two minutes uh keto options healthy options vegan options all the stuff my wife loves the healthy food that i can't stand she loves it uh so we you know they've got plenty of stuff i like there as well uh, so it's good stuff and good meals for everybody. And that's what we're trying to do, make everybody happy, right? That's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to Pucks with Hags. We'll see you at the ring. <laughs>